Hi, beer friends. Welcome back to Brews with Broads. I'm your host, Hannah Kine. This week's episode is a big one. I sat down for an in-person interview, my very first one, y'all, with Lindsay Steen, the co-owner of Wild East Brewing Company in Brooklyn. We covered so much ground. Lindsay's deeply held passion for creating a culture of education and inclusion at Wild East, the challenges of opening a new brewery in the middle of a pandemic, and of course, what it's like raising a brand new baby and a brand new brewery at the same time. In fact, you'll hear that we recorded this episode back in December, when Lindsay was six months pregnant with baby number two and with indoor dining having just been shut down in New York City. Time has flown, y'all, and Lindsay is giving birth to that baby any day now. I thank you all in advance for your understanding of the sound quality of this episode. Lindsay took the time out of her busy day to chat with me at the brewery in the middle of a actual workday happening, in the only window of time she had to eat lunch, with a snowstorm about to hit and Lindsay's adorable daughter Cora popping in. It's real life, people. Even with all that going on around us, I had such a great time talking to Lindsay, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Cheers. Welcome, Lindsay Steen, to Brews with Broads. This is a first because, obviously, this is a pandemic podcast, and usually I'm standing in front of my closet, not wearing shoes, and my guest is whatever they're wearing in their homes. I don't see them from the waist down. Um, but we are at Wild East, so I'm really excited to be here with you. I'm excited to have you here, all to ourselves. Haha, yeah. Unfortunately, we're talking at a time when indoor dining has been shut down, mm-hmm. which we can get into. But first of all, I always usually share beer with my guests, and we mm-hmm. get the sound. I'm all about the sound of like the cracking of the can. But we're even luckier, actually, cue Ryan coming over. We're even luckier to be sharing beers directly out of the bright tank which is a first for this podcast and And, i'm very excited and this beer will soon to be out of the can on friday on friday perfect Mm -hmm. well what is it called first of all fervor and defiance fervor and defiance a like signature wild east i don't know your naming is distinct and we can talk about that but in lieu of the sound of the cans oh. cracking will do a clink oh yeah got that one it's so good it's a dark lager it's so smooth okay so obviously we're here to talk about you and beer and your kind of journey into it but first I want to know like about you as a person you know where did you grow up some bio- biographical info yeah I feel like no question is an easy question to answer for me but I um I identify my childhood and upbringing in Colorado. I, uh, I ultimately lived in three different states, went to four different high schools growing up, just mainly from family divorcing, back and forth, whatever. So yeah, I grew up in Colorado. That's where I spent most of my childhood. That's kind of what I feel is home to me. Lived in Southern California for a little bit, ultimately graduated school in Iowa. And then first job was in Minnesota. And then ultimately my ex-husband's job took us out to New York City 11 years ago. And here we are. Fast forward, divorce, everything. I'm still here. Pursued a dream. Amazing. And what did you, what did you study in school? Or what did you end up like getting your my degree degree in? in Spanish and religious studies? Obviously, um, yeah. I started out 
thinking I'd go to med school, bio major. I worked in a lab all four years of school because I loved working in the lab, but that path ultimately wasn't for me. And actually I did the things that ultimately I pursued the things that I felt made me happy, that I was interested in. And I ended up in a career in sales selling scientific equipment and supplies, but I would have to say my education really helped me to identify with people Hmm. and kind of understand cultures, understand a lot about people from everywhere around the world. And ultimately like my client, my customers in my sales job were extremely diverse. So I was calling on researchers, pharmaceutical companies, and you run into everybody. So I, I think that's what made me really good at my job. Yeah. <laughs> so during that time, were you interested in beer? Where did your, how does beer intersect with that medical sales? I've always loved beer, but I always was seeking out the beer that was not like the mainstream beer. Mm. You know, it was, you know, way, way back when I always loved Guinness. Yeah, it's a mainstream beer, but it's also not Bud Light. Right. I was never a Bud Light drinker or any kind of those light you know, the light loggers. I grew up in Longmont, Colorado, so left hand holds a very sweet spot in my heart. And my brother, he lived in Seattle. He went to the University of Washington. And I remember he, I went out to visit him. He was much older. He introduced me to craft beer out there at a very Mm. youngish age. And that's how I knew that there was really good beer out there. And so I would always try to find it when it was places because I knew I liked it. And... With my job in sales, I took clients out a lot for happy hour or whatever, so I would always try to go to the bars that had local craft beer, and then I traveled a lot, especially Mm. once I moved out to the East Coast. I ended up, I had a few different positions in my company, but ultimately ended up managing a territory from New York up to Maine, so I was on the road a lot. I have my dog with me often, and there's a lot of amazing beer between here and Maine, and that's where I would go. I'd go do my work, hang out, bring my dog. And I just really, I just like the culture at these places. Um, and when I travel, I always look for the local craft breweries. I've just found an affinity for the culture. Everybody's very passionate and I'm a, consider myself a very passionate person. And at some point in this thing of traveling and divorcing and meeting somebody who I'm super in love with now. I knew I always wanted to start my own business. And I thought, I actually almost went to culinary school. I thought maybe I'm going to run a restaurant. But after living in New York, I've lived here for 11 years. Hell no. No. <laughs> I did not want to be. <laughs> no offense. I admire the people that pursue that. But, you know, from homebrewing Obviously, I kind of have a science background, so I really like the science behind beer. Uh, I am loving the passion and just the culture of the craft beer community. I kind of started talking about it, and it was one of those things that just... Michael was so supportive. He was like, you should do it. You'd be awesome at it. This is your partner? Yeah. And that, just having that support was so cool. My uh, my ex-husband was very supportive in my idea of starting a home business. He's the one that ultimately bought me a bunch of homebrewing kits. Huh. He runs a lab at Cornell Medical College, and he's a professor there. A uh, super smart guy. His One of his peers in his department 
is a long time, like 30, over 30 years home brewer. And so he like got some recipes from him. He got the homebrew stuff and then life fast forwarded and I met Michael and he's like, just do it. I have your back. And I quit my job. I took some time to travel, wrote a business plan. And um, I had a business partner at one point in time that didn't work out. I met these guys and once we all got together, the ball just got rolling. So kind of went off on a tangent, but that's kind of how the story developed. <laughs> that's literally exactly what I want to hear. Like, I don't need to, I'm going to go, you can just tell your story. No, I mean, there's so much there from keying into the passion for exploring breweries wherever you're traveling. I like to call it beer ventures, which is like my favorite part of traveling. And I think you hit it on the head with the sort of like the welcoming familial culture of breweries. Bring your dog, bring your baby. Like, let's just (laughs) hang out. The lack of, in some places, ideally lack of snobbery. Yes. And that still definitely, (laughs) that shows up, but. Speaking of babies. Oh, you want some. What you got? Would you like some crackers? I'm watching Boots. You're watching Boots? Yeah. Is this going into the office with you? Are you going to go watch TV with these crackers? Okay. Remember, keep them on the table. Anyways, the familial. Yeah, I mean, speaking of, who did we just hear from? Who was that? That was my daughter, Cora. Cora. Mm Mm-hmm. She's very sweet. And she's two and a half, you said? Yeah. She just hit me. She's closer to three now. She turns well, three at the end of February. Oh my so. gosh, yeah. Way closer to three. Yeah. Yes. And you have another one on the way. I'm six months pregnant. Congratulations. I'm very hungry. So We're eating. I'm We're eating. eating. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. This is real life in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a snowstorm. Yeah. So we're here. But yeah. Another uh, baby girl on the way. Oh, that's so exciting. I don't even know where to begin. I don't want to jump around too much because you had us like teed up perfectly for the start of the brewery we're currently sitting in. But mm-hmm. how did you go? How did you meet the guys here? I reached, they were looking for investors and I reached out to them pretty much saying, I have money to invest, but I want to be an owner. I had my portion of a business plan, which I knew needed other components to it. So what happened was we met, they had their business plan, they were open to, you know, they looked at my resume (laughs) and they looked at, you know, we talked, like, could this work? And we concluded that I brought to the table a completely different piece of the puzzle. A master's in business degree uh, while I was working. After I moved to New York, I went to St. John's. Mm And uh, working in sales is a lot of fun. You learn a lot. But I knew I wanted to do a lot more. And I'm just kind of one of those people that needs my space to do my thing. Mm-hmm. Working for a big corporate company, there's limitations. So that's, you know, I wanted to use my degree and the things I like. So anyways, that was another thing that why I wanted to be a business owner. Yeah. Apart from the the Spanish and religious studies, an MBA doesn't hurt. Doesn't hurt things. Didn't hurt. No. I mean that makes sense. So you and Brad and Tyler got what year was that? Twenty seventeen? Eighteen? I don't know what year we're in now. <laughs> I think we met twenty seventeen. Twenty seventeen. You came in at a point where it was just a business plan. Mm-hmm. Take me through that process of finding the space and. <laughs> she says with a sigh. 
Yeah. It was finding a space and literally trying to make a bunch of pieces come together mm-hmm. at the same time. Working with a, the right bank to get the SBA loan. And also raising money from investors and making sure we had the required money from investors to meet the requirements of the loan and also to be able to fund our business. And we also, we couldn't close the loan without finding space and signing a lease and then a contractor having the proposal. There was just so many moving parts, but finding a space took like a year and a half because we started looking obviously like very soon after we met. So we, I think we finalized an operating agreement. We all signed it by um, fall of 2017. We met in April of 2017, that's how that was. Looking for a space, few spaces fell through, and this space took five months to negotiate. It was negotiating with uh, siblings that own it together, Mm. and one particular sibling making it extremely difficult, so. Were you looking specifically in Gowanus the whole time, or? That was where I think we would have liked it, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, Brett and Tyler have lived here for a long time. Mm -hmm. My years in New York, I didn't live down here, but I knew the potential this neighborhood has. Um, But we were also open. It's like, with as big of a shit show that the property market is out there, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, we were open to Queens, but definitely like Bushwick, East Williamsburg, Gowanus, Mm -hmm. this area were kind of like the prime areas that we were looking at. Um, We had two spaces in like Bushwick, East Williamsburg that kind of fell through. And we we really put a lot of effort into negotiating the lease here. Mm -hmm. So, and we're glad we did. It was uh, interesting, but we made it work. Yeah, Yeah, but it was a five month negotiation that just got completely ridiculous. We got, we actually had, we had made a proposal and then I, was in the hospital. Had just given birth when the landlord got back to us that said, "All right, I can work with this. Let's talk." So, and I think I remember was reading my emails, and I was responding. They're like, "You just had a baby like earlier today. Why are you responding?" <laughs> Put that? your phone down. <laughs> Cora was a NICU baby, so mm-hmm. I was in the hospital in my room, pretty much by myself. I'm like, "What else do I do?" <laughs> right. So, uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, that was when all that happened. So we, that happened in February. We signed our lease October of 2018. With the timing of like the lease signing and having Cora, how much time were you able to take off? And did you feel any type of pressure? You don't take off. You don't take an off. Entrepreneur. A, I was lucky she was a very easy baby. I mean, at this point in time, we were going back and forth with the lease and we were trying to raise money. So we were meeting with investors. All of us were very motivated. So it was like, you know, to try to figure out who we could talk to, who we could raise money from. And I'd go to the meetings as needed. You know, I have a partner who is very active co-parent, you know, that doesn't expect all the duties are on the female. But, you know, I was breastfeeding. So there were some interesting things with that if I was away from her. But, no, I didn't take off. I worked at home. She was, again, she was such a great baby. I, again, was doing a lot of our financial stuff, mm-hmm. a lot of addressing a lot of financial questions for from potential investors, um, doing a lot of that kind of work just at home. So doing the new mom thing and doing that, you know, it worked out. And if I needed to go out and meet with people or do something, um, you know, she stayed home with Michael, with her daddy. And she's a daddy's girl anyway, so. <laughs> but that's convenient. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, emphasizes the importance of having a partner who's not only, like, 
quote tolerant that's a horrible way to say it tolerant <laughs> of your like pursuits but actively supportive, supportive of them oh absolutely yeah you, you know you talked about the culture of the breweries that you visited when you traveled did you have a specific vision for like what the culture of wild yeast would look like absolutely i mean i think i was wanting that same vibe you know for people to be welcome and dogs children i didn't want to be with those one of those pretentious places but i also really wanted it to be educational i mm. think as a female having a love for beer i think also what's undeniable is that it is very male dominated you witness a lot of just if you have a mixed group of male and female drinkers females are often very dominated by the males and I was also like pre pre well still if I get the chance but pre-cora pre-pandemic I was one of those people that would be like just the only female sitting at the bar like eavesdropping and maybe randomly approach people and ask them questions like well why did you pick that to drink and one common answer I would get from females was um well it's what the guys are drinking or they would say if I pick something too adventurous I get questioned why and I just like to avoid that because some things that they would say I don't know why I like it but I do like a saison so something that I felt very strongly about was helping people understand well, why do you like this or why might you like this style of beer and I think with what we're doing here and thank god Brett is so talented at making these wild beers because a lot of women they stick with wine but you'll also find that they like they like the wild beers mm. or they like the barrel aged beers or the saisons and you find that very common with liking wine mm -hmm. or, or certain cocktails or something like that so I think helping and I don't want to say just women but people in general helping them understand the beer that they're drinking helps them be interested in it more it helps them like it more I know it helps me love it more the scientist in me, like, I love knowing about fermentation and why wild, e why wild, wild yeast, what's so different about it, what, you know, what does that create in the beer? And it's fun to talk to people about because they find that really cool and interesting, and then they understand this is why I like it. Not just wild beers, but why do they like a particular style? And I think just from talking to a lot of people, being a female myself, there's the stereotypical male beer drinker often doesn't know himself they just I don't know how to describe it but they're not going to also take the time to educate because maybe they can't do it themselves um, and that's another thing that I really wanted to create here it's been really tough with the pandemic to sit down with people and to hold an educational tasting uh, tasting with the brewer himself we just haven't had that opportunity yet and that's what's been pretty sad about yeah. being a brewery that's being born in the middle of a pandemic but these are definitely things that in certain breweries that I noticed really took the time to talk and educate like just it's you help grow a more profound appreciation for the beverage you're drinking and that's definitely something I saw happening here to the customer facing side from an employee standpoint and like just an internal culture you have this huge vision of what you're going to be and what you're going to create and it's a lot more difficult to execute and especially i'd have to say being a mom there's a lot of my time goes to my daughter and i can't dedicate 95 percent of my time to this and that's reality but that's also just that's life 
I definitely wanted to create a very familial culture with employees, create an education program, encourage education with them, and have a very positive working culture here. I want this, that's something, I guess, working for the corporate world. I worked for companies that you knew you were just a number, and I also worked for companies that truly invested in their employees, and that's also something else I wanted to carry here. There's so much that you just said that resonated with me, particularly the idea of educating not only female consumers, but like everyone, because I do think the pretension of some breweries is really real and like how seriously they take themselves and, you know, what does that serve to like have your proprietary, you're not even going to tell your customers what type of hops you use and all of this, like the technology, like that's amazing. But if you're not going to share what it is and like why it makes your beer so good, then who are you really serving with that? I think. Yeah. So I like to hear that. And you know, it inspires me as like a front of house person to, it's very easy to turn your nose up when someone says, Oh, do you have wine? But it's so much more rewarding to say no, but like, tell me what you like and I can Mm -hmm. help you. I can try my best. And it's also just, if some people just aren't a beer drinker, just respecting them for that. Right. And not, shaming them and okay I could I tried because you know I wanted to listen to you and understand and hope to maybe find you something and some people you're never gonna win over and respect them for that and I I don't like to eat fish so you know (laughs) no matter how (laughs) someone tries to compare it to chicken it's (laughs) never gonna be chicken (laughs) I also have never really thought about it in terms of male beer drinkers who just aren't open to being educated and obviously you know we're not here to slam anyone but it is an interesting idea that there are certain populations who are used to just not being questioned about why they're ordering something yeah it's it's there's definitely a fine line with the attitude of the customer is always right Uh and again not being a snob to anybody not rolling your eyes at anybody but sometimes gracefully stepping back if somebody tries to school you or just tell you it sometimes that's just how people are Mm -hmm. and I'd rather just not start a fight and just say okay this is one of those people where you just (laughs) yeah give up on um let them talk and listen to them because at the same time you can always learn from listening to people let them talk to you no matter how wrong or right they might be yeah it's it's a challenge for me often to step back from being quote mansplain too yes yes exactly. because sometimes you're gonna get into a fight and i rare i'm rarely want to get into a fight i'm very conflict averse hi hi what is this beer <laughs> what does mommy do what's her job beer yeah 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 do you like being in the brewery do you like running around yeah, yeah. i'm obsessed she's so cute I'm just so interested to know, as someone who hopes to be a mom someday in the maybe not too distant future, I'm really interested to talk about like being a mom and a business owner and a particular brewery owner. Mm-hmm. Do you did you find particular challenges like in birthing a business at the same time as birthing a baby? Uh, yeah, I tell myself very often that I am so lucky because she's such a good baby and you just let it happen sometimes it was hard to not think oh if I didn't have this kid I could do this I could do that but when you are surrounded by supportive people both 
my business partners and Michael. You know, it's those people that you make it happen with. Yeah. You know, you get the support. I don't have any family out here, so, you know, would it be nice to have family? Obviously, the budget's tight, so affording childcare all the time was, you know, we really just, we didn't know what was going to happen with the business, so mm-hmm. it's just like, a lot of those different things happen. Um, sometimes, something that I don't really talk about, or that maybe I have a little bit, but that, you know, I think some people may ignore or not take seriously, but I had a, a really traumatic birth with her. And I had, I ultimately suffered um, PTSD from my birth experience. And it's not something that's fun to talk about, but it was my reality. Um, And I think it it was easy to ignore. It was easy to kind of cover up or avoid. But I think it's definitely something that really did affect my mental clarity. Um, The brewery was something very easy to lean on with all of that going on and whether or not it was the right way to deal with it at the time it was also something that made me feel normal mm-hmm. aside from a lot of the feelings I had about what I had been through and experienced at the hospital so I think there was this natural tendency to dump all my energy into the brewery because that's what I had control over and good or bad that's just how it was and that's how it happened and uh, it's been interesting (laughs) so and again I like I say she Cora herself was she's just such a good baby and she's such a good kid she's a good sleeper Mm -hmm. too so uh, there was a lot of things you know aside from what I had experienced with birth but like so many other things to be grateful for in the long run for how good of a kid she is Mm -hmm. so she's She's made this path very easy. I'm a little nervous about this second one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm really grateful to you for sharing that part of your experience because I agree that, like, no one really talks about it enough, and mm-hmm. thus it's not normalized, and people end up it's living. Really not. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot about motherhood is not normalized. I think what's on social media, what's on the media in general, they glamorize motherhood, they glamorize pregnancy, and it's like you're shamed to even dare talk about the ugly side of it. And, you know, maybe maybe the people that don't have kids are right, but we are, it's the only way that the human race is going to carry on. And that's, biologically, that's our role. That's, you know, it's part of it. And, you know, the people who choose to have kids, you know, I, you know, especially being a mother, a lot of admiration because it's it's a very difficult job if you take it seriously Mm -hmm. that's what I'd have to say and you know we want to bring good people into this world and but it's not easy being the human that grows and bears the child there's a lot of a lot of shit that you go through (laughs) there's a lot of stuff physically Mm -hmm. mentally and um a lot of you naturally hold a lot of the burden and that's part of life you know but it doesn't mean that it's any easier you got to suck it up because you chose it mm-hmm. you know yeah so talking about the ugly things i think it should be talked about more and yeah and embraced and you know just i guess understood in some ways <laughs> i mean in many ways and as someone who doesn't have kids there are so many things you learn from yeah. talking to other moms that you're not going to see on 
the Instagram moms or, oh, yeah. you know, the <laughs> polished up rocks when really it's just rocks. Had you always wanted to be a mom? Mm-hmm. I do. Well, you've got a cute one. And if she's any indication, <laughs> number two is going to be great. We talked a little, we touched a little bit about, you know, the timeline of this business which, by the way, it took, I said, it took me saying Wild East out loud probably like five times until I was like, oh, Wild East, Wild Yeast. Actually, that brings me to, you mentioned, you know, Brett's brewing expertise and his skill level. And as soon as I kind of saw you guys come on the scene, I definitely clocked that you're putting out like British styles, you're putting out Belgian styles, you're putting out wild things that aren't just like the super hazy double dry hopped IPA. I assume that was a pretty intentional choice. Yes. Sometimes we look back and we're just like one particular beer. I'm like, that was just the nerdiest idea we ever had. <laughs> because we just, you know, you get stuck with it. But we're also not, you know, we don't regret it. Like the second beer we brewed was a dark mild. Who's doing that? Nobody. And um, I mean, we opened in the middle of a pandemic. Right. I don't know what it would have been like had it been normal. I think that... Some styles, you know, we expected to move faster. Uh, inverted world. Our dark lager, the, we call it New York State dark lager, not quite a Shores beer because mm-hmm. it's New York State ingredients. But um, I think that we probably would have moved through that faster. You know, I think some things, if we were to have opened how we planned, mm-hmm. I, again, I think speaking to the educational component, speaking to that, getting people to try a style maybe they didn't, or I think that um, some of the beers that we didn't move through quite as quickly as we expected, who the fuck knows, pardon my language, Yeah, we opened in the middle of a pandemic. We also found some people that truly appreciated it. I can't go get this anywhere else. Nobody's doing this. Thank you guys so much, and you're doing it really well. Temperance was what I was kind of referring to. The dark mild, I love it. And a lot of people do love it. So we decided to brew it again and can it. <laughs> like, greatest idea. We're actually on our last cases of cans, which mm-hmm. is great. It took a long time to move through, and that's where we're like, maybe, maybe we shouldn't have brewed a second batch. And I'm like, I just like that was the nerdiest idea, but I also don't regret it. So Yeah, <laughs> and what fun is owning your own brewery if you can't follow through on your own yeah. nerdy impulses? But you know, it's like I like the variety because that I think speaks to part of what we want to do here. We want to be able to offer a variety to reach an array of palettes, but also stick with our niche of these wild beers, mm-hmm. the barrel-aged beers, making sure we're gonna come out with great lambics. Some goose down the road, this kind of stuff, which we are. And, you know, That's and it takes some time. We have to do stuff in the meantime while that stuff sits in barrels and does its thing, you know, to get through. And that's, uh, you know, part of, you know, developing that brand and culture of what, who we are. Right. I mean, it's like a distillery almost, you know, you have to, something has to be bringing money in while the product that you actually want can be sold and you can make some fucking money. You know, in the goal being these specific styles, did that affect the brew house that you ordered and, you know, the the setup? Yeah, so this is where I'll apologize for all of the completely technical terms. I really have to blow my nose. Do it. Um, Part of being pregnant, did you feel like you have allergies all the time? That's good to know. The estrogen, I guess it just makes your sinuses go nuts, so I'm not sick. <laughs> Pregnancy is a bitch. You can edit that. Out. <laughs> no, I'm keeping that one. <laughs> so yes, pardon my technical terms, but I do know we had some custom stuff done to the brew house 
specifically for our um, decoction and turbine mashing to be able to go back and forth. And that plumbing was very, I know Brett was very particular about that. We don't need to get into too much detail because he could explain better, but um, I do know, you know, we were very, when everything was being installed, we brought was here every day, <laughs> micromanaging the plumbers to make sure that this plumbing worked properly. We actually, you're here on the almost one year anniversary of our very first brew day. Huh. It was December 16th last year, we actually did the water run through. Ultimately making sure that, you know, we could run off and add back in between the kettle and the mash tub. Mm -hmm. So that definitely was one thing that influenced our brew house. Yeah. There was definitely some stuff with the styles. That's what is allowing us, you know, with the decoction mashing to make some of these great lagers that we're doing is we're sticking to these traditional methods of brewing. Um, we're taking the time to do that. We're investing that time that it takes and the energy that it takes to be able to make it happen. Uh, so yeah, definitely. That's fascinating and also definitely like beyond my reach a little bit technically too. So I'm hanging on by a thread. But you know, the takeaway is the commitment to quality and traditional methods that you're not just like yeah. dumping fruit loops and Definitely. whatever else in there. Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it, you know, and that's where I, I really appreciate Brett. You know, he, he's very humble and I'd like to think we are all, we we'd like to express a feeling of humility here, um, of not knowing everything. I think he is so talented and knows everything, but he, he never stops reading and he never stops studying. He never stops double checking resources to make sure the science is right. You know, the reason for doing a decoction for the loggers is what happens with the proteins behind it, what is going on with the chemistry of the beer. So it's, you know, we, <laughs> buzzwords of the day, stick with the science, yeah. you know, to get the flavors and everything else behind our beer to make that happen. And, and some of that takes time. You just can't rush or just add something to, to fake it. Right. Um, we don't. You don't fake it. <laughs> On the point of quality and being legit, what are you most excited about in the world of beer right now or what you have going on here right now? Is there something that's really getting you jazzed? Tasting the Lambics. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, that is exciting. There's a lot of stuff. I guess there's some stuff kind of behind the scenes that people might not know about. And there's some stuff that makes me really excited about the feedback that we're getting from customers. You'd mentioned adding Fruit Loops and other crazy stuff to our beer. We just don't, and we don't plan on ever. Um, unless it's some tiny little cask that we want to add a couple spices to, but we're not going to be doing anything. We're getting compliments from customers for that. Mm -hmm. And that is really encouraging. We came out with Moral Dilemma and we thought, oh, maybe we could do coffee or something. And we're like, you know, disclaimer, we do not see untapped as the Bible, but there's a lot that social media speaks to. And Ryan pointed out that one of the highest rated stouts on there was, um, it's, it's a stout that's Russian River. It's something, yeah, it's a, it's a flat out yeah. imperial stout, nothing added, straight up, honest. It, like, if we can do it, good. If it's good, let's just do it. Mm -hmm. And we put it out there with no, nothing in it. And, and we, again, were uh, very much complimented for it. 
because now we're also getting people that they're like, oh, thank God. It's not overly sweet. It's not, mm-hmm. not crazy. It's like, we're just looking for just beer. Mm-hmm. And, you know, speaking of some names and everything, we put a post out there recently that was, it was us. I was going to say gutsy, but no, it was us. And we, our next Imperial Stout, same thing. There's no crazy shit in it. It's straight up Imperial Stout. It's called non-compliance. It is called that because it's essentially our message was we're, we're not complying with the trend in the industry right now of pastry stouts. <laughs> and I think our post, Tyler created the post, it was something like, no this, no this, no this, no this, just malt, hops, water, yeast. So, Did you get a, some type of response to that? We got all positive responses. Then there you go. Yeah. Specific to that right. post on social media, um, people loved it, and uh, I had actually the other night. I I'm now working Mondays alone. I had a couple of girls here, and she she was a big stout, dark beer fan, and she's just she's like looking at me like she's just in love. She's like, I just love that you're doing this. I don't like the overly sweet stuff or that you're putting Lucky Charms. In. What who the fuck does that anyways? <laughs> she's like, thank you. This is, she's like, this is the, the, my favorite stout I've had since I moved to New York City. And I was like, oh. <laughs> a tiny, tiny tear. <laughs> so, no, we're getting, we're being very complimented for that. And I like, if that's our thing, that's our thing. I don't know if you want to call it a thing, but that's something that we're very dedicated to. I mean, I admire that. Like you said, a kind of commitment to quality and simplicity and doing it right, not trying to yeah. do something quick and easy or sparkly and showy yeah, quality I mean, classic styles. You know, talking about what I'm also excited about along those lines, you talk about doing crazy shit with your beer. Uh, a lot of the crazy shit we might want to do is going to come from our lab. Mm. And that's where, you know, I have a little sweet spot in my heart having that science background. Um, Having, I love science. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I worked in that industry, and I don't ever want to let that part go. And that's another thing. Being able to start a brewery also allowed me to really embrace running a lab here. Um, so we, I hate saying, I haven't been able to put the time that I would like to into the lab just because the, the other, say, business side of my responsibilities have become you know, pretty demanding and everything. But um, we did bring in a wonderful woman that I'm, hopefully I'm doing an okay job of mentoring her through getting some of the uh, science, the fun science stuff going that uh, in the lab that we want to eventually bring to our beer. But a lot of it's going to take some time and some analysis and some troubleshooting, but uh, that's something else that I'm pretty excited about. That's exciting. Is the lab here on? Yeah. A lab on site. Yeah, Ooh. you can see her little lab. Ooh, I'm definitely want to go in the lab. I'm not a. I have a. I say this probably every episode. I have a BFA, so a Bachelor oh, of Fine yeah. Arts. So like, I'm not. I'm not at home in a lab. Yeah. Necessarily, but I mean that's so cool. You know, in my career, actually, I worked for like a lab supplies distributor. So I sold everything from chemicals to big fancy sexy equipment to like test tubes so and I like my big customers they were I started out with calling on universities where I had I think the university had about 500 labs that we managed as a whole and 
doing new lab startups was a thing. So you literally built help this person built their lab from the test tube to the big minus 80 freezer. So I knew what I was doing with the lab and I'm like, I got this. But that was something that we had planned into the construction of our brewery was, is the lab perfect? Would I like a bigger, more fancier lab? And we can't afford everything we need right now, but we have a starting point. And those, that is something that's definitely sticking with our business plan is investing in the lab and growing that, growing our yeast program, all that kind of stuff. So, and that's something I'm very excited about because yeah, something I know I'm good at. <laughs> the science nerd in you. Are you yes. cultivating your own yeasts? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Wow. <laughs> I'm, as if I wasn't already really excited to be here and intimidated. Science. <laughs> what is the biggest change that you'd like to see in the industry or, I know that's a, that's a whopper of a question, but. Let's get through this fucking amen epic. <laughs> I honestly, I don't know. I mean. I think there's just so much interesting things going on. Some things I agree with, some things I kind of disagree and roll my eyes at. Mm -hmm. I honestly think that this pandemic is going to bring out a lot of changes in everybody and the way we approach business. And I think that will all be very positive. And I, I guess the only other thing is just I think it is something that's already changing and being embraced but just something that i want to make you know that i like to see this industry continue to move forward with is seeing this industry become less male dominated less guys belong here because there are still some people that say women don't have a place and and this isn't just to women women minorities i really hope to see that come out more and it is happening so I have faith that that's going to continue. And I want to see that continue, and I want to encourage that. That was one thing when I was really excited, I'm sure she won't mind, but having a female working in the lab yeah. is that she wants to grow her career in beer, and she's just excited to be learning, and I'm really happy that I can hopefully be a good mentor in helping her grow her knowledge in an area that, that she finds valuable. And yeah. So I think I want to contribute my part, and I think that... The majority of the industry believes that, and I, I look forward to seeing those changes. I couldn't have asked for a more perfect answer, frankly, and I think <laughs> we've talked a lot about having supportive business partners and life partners, but at the end of the day, it does feel like our responsibility as women yeah. in a male-dominated field to mentor the people that we can, and I use this metaphor a lot, I know, not only just say, like, oh, the door is open to you, but to actually, like invite other women, invite women of color, invite non-binary people, not just to leave the door open and hope whoever comes in comes in, but to reach your hand out, which is, sounds like what you're doing. Are you interested? Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of being a woman in beer, I feel kind of uniquely self-conscious about this. You know, the premise of this podcast obviously is talking to women in beer, but do you ever feel like tokenized, tired of talking about being a quote unquote woman in beer? You know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I, uh, I can't remember. There was uh, something I follow. They said, I said, oh, I'm going to start saying male publicist, male doctor, mm-hmm. male this, just so everybody can hear how dumb it sounds. Because guess what? Males are never called out, but they always is like, oh, it's a female scientist. Oh, it's right. a female brewer. At some point in time, I hope that's normalized. So where it's just like... She's our brewer. Right. She's our lab tech. Or 
who knows? You know, mm-hmm. yes, I hear you. Did I answer Absolutely. that? Kind of. Yeah. It's so funny because I just read this yesterday. I'm like, that's so right. No, and that's the thing. Like, there's no right answer, and I think mm-hmm. that we're not there yet. We're not at a place yet where we're just saying like, oh, that's our brewer. They yeah. happen to be a woman. And it's part of, I hate, it's like a necessary evil right now. You have to overemphasize it. Mm-hmm. To, I hate, I don't like having to prove a point, but in a way you kind of have to. Mm-hmm. That's part of the hard work to get to that point of normalization. I think you have been dropping consistent knowledge bombs on okay. me and like <laughs> wisdom throughout this. I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I always like to end my episodes with some quick fire questions oh god (laughs) which there's no pressure it's meant to be fun and a little shady um so Lindsay steen here we go most overrated beer style hazy ipas hazy ipas i get that one a lot um (laughs) this is very important to me personally cake or pie sophie's choice pie pie most underrated beer style i mean not to sound cliche but i would stick with some of like like styles that we're doing like the uh the wild beers wild Wild ales. Wild ales from Wild East. What do your friends come to you for? Recommendations. What's new? What's uh, what's popular? It depends on the friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to evaluate the friend asking me. <laughs> yeah, uh, my female friends come to me and ask me what's what's going on with our beers. What's interesting? Mm-hmm. That's what I like. I like the what's interesting, not what's popular. Mm. This is perfect, actually. You mentioned loving to like go to a bar by yourself. What's your favorite thing you've like ever overheard? Honestly, I couldn't... I feel like there's so many things, and I'm just... My memory is oh, yeah. working for me right now. That's okay. A lot of things, but yeah. I, I don't I have to think about that. Yeah, think about... You know, text <laughs> me. What's the last show you binged and loved? Do you even have time to do that? Honestly? I am not a TV person. I know a show I've been watching, but I, I, I can't do binges because I just fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that. Uh, we're watching Raised by Wolves right now. It's very interesting. Oh. Brings up some interesting things that are actually going on in I don't know that. this world. Um, the last binge I remember was we was Stranger Things. Yeah, that's highly <laughs> but I bingeable. Really, I just don't. Yeah, I don't have time. You don't have time. You have a business yeah. and a baby. If you had to pick a desert island beer, oh, a desert island beer, like hot desert island. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it is hot. <laughs> it's a desert. It's an island. It happens I'm to be very hot. much a, a seasonal drinker. But hmm. I don't know. The, the point is more like, kind of like the ultimate. I would, yeah, honestly, I would have to say something that's just, I've loved all year round is, has been uh, Grisette. Yeah? Mm. Grisette or a good solid pale ale. That would work on a desert island whether it was hot or cold. Yeah. I respect <laughs> that. This is mean. If you could get on a plane and go anywhere right now, COVID notwithstanding. Well, we always were big travelers. Mm-hmm. So right. this is hitting, like, there's a lot of these studies coming out about travel addiction. I definitely can attest to that, but it's a good thing because it's so mentally healthy and it's been very difficult. But I was telling Michael, there's a new place. There's always a new place we'd be traveling to, but I keep telling him one place I really want to go back to. And I actually told him, I was like, when we can travel, I really want to go back here is going back to Jordan. I loved Jordan. It was so amazing. We did, we road tripped like from top to bottom. And we also, we found the first and only craft brewery there. Um, he lives actually in New York City. Why can't I, Caracale. Uh, huh. we, we found it in very dark in the mountains of the north. 
in this tiny car that barely would make it up hills. It was our rental car. It was so, so funny. We finally found it and uh, it was late at night and they were so cool. But that, that's what I mean. When I travel, I find, mm -hmm. try to go to every brewery I possibly can. Well, I'm so appreciative that you took the time to talk to me and that you Thanks for coming shared. out. Yeah, yeah I doing was, the first time live. <laughs> honestly, I was very nervous and this has been great. We do have empty glasses, but yes. I would love if you would take us out with a toast, your favorite toast, your go-to toast. I'm actually going to probably just do a new toast because it's something that I think about. It's to the end and to a new beginning because that's what this pandemic is. <laughs> like they talk about the beginning of the end, the end of the beginning, and I'm like, this needs to end so we can have a new beginning. <laughs> that's, we seriously need it. That's <laughs> so gorgeous. Well, to cheers a, to that. To a new beginning. <laughs> cheers to the end and to a new beginning. Yes. Lindsay Steen, thank you so much for talking to me. Thank you. My friends, it's conversations like this one with Lindsay that I dreamed of having when I imagined what this podcast would be like. I am blown away with how open she was about her birth experience and what it's like to be a mom in our industry. I am so inspired by her commitment to education as a central part of the culture at Wild East, and I can't wait to take advantage of a tasting there one day. Oh, and to get to taste whatever she's cooking up in that lab of hers. Thank you to Lindsay for making the time to talk to me, and to Cora for seriously delivering on the cuteness front. My ovaries. <laughs> As I said, we spoke back in December when indoor dining had just been shut down in New York, but that is no longer the case. As of tomorrow, Friday, March 19th, indoor dining capacity in New York will have opened up to 50%. So do yourself a favor, and whether that's indoors, outdoors, or for retail, pay a visit to Wild East and support Lindsay and the entire team there. As always, thank you to Megan Bagala for our music and to Sabrina Rain at the Hoppiest Shop for our fierce graphic. And most importantly, thank you for listening. Thank you for rating, thank you for reviewing, and thank you for sharing with your fellow beer friends. Tune in next week for my next installment of the Beer 101 Minisodes. Love you so much. Bye. <laughs> what does mommy do? What's her job? <laughs>